McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 61. Well Pompey are absolutely grinding out results at the moment but it is helping us climb the table. Joining me today on the podcast, returning again, the co-host of the PO Forecast, Andy Mitchmore. How are you Andy? I'm not too bad, thank you Hugh. Always good to be here with you mate. Always great to have you on the show mate. Always great. Um, okay, let's just see what we're getting into. So we're going to start off by reviewing the Bolton game. Following that, we're going to quickly review the game against Scunthorpe. And then we're going to ask the question today, which was, who do you guys want as a centre-back partnership now Jack Watmore is back? Can we trust staying with the current corps of defenders or do we need to go out and get someone new? And following that, we're going to go on and preview the game against my favourite team up north, Barnsley. I was going to think about saying my favourite team in Yorkshire, but I thought there's not really a team, Andy, that I prefer in the whole North generally, so I've given them the title of my favourite team in the North. What, rather than Barnsley? Why is that, mate? I mean, people might know, listen to the podcast, but I work with some Barnsley fans um, and just generally, so I follow them a little bit. So I think I was probably the most excited Pompey fan to get this draw, actually. No, it should be a, should be a good game, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think everyone else kind of wanted the Liverpool tie, didn't they? Yeah, it got down to that last four teams, didn't it? And you're like, mm-hmm. but then you think about uh, how outclass we looked against our last Premier League opponents at times in the game. And then it would have been a cricket score, I think, but it would have been ahead of an occasion, to be fair. But yeah, you get to those last four teams and you're wanting that big money tie like that. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah, but wasn't to be, maybe in the next round. That's it. If we get there, mate, um, the Positivity, chances are any mate. better. Positivity. Chances are any better. When we get there, then. When well, we get there. In, in Kenny Jackett's interviews, he said he's looking forward to the fifth round. So, um, like, as in this weekend. So I think um, he's miscounted how many games we've won. But he just keeps. He's, he's got. Uh, he's seeing to the future, isn't he? I think so. I think so. Kenny Jackett's magic powers. Anyway, let's get into this Bolton game. It it wasn't one for the pure football lovers, was it, Andy? No, very much not, mate. It was a case of you go to a team that's struggling at the bo- um, at the bottom of the league. Obviously, they've had a huge number of off-field problems, um, and whether you know, there's a there's a whole debate that it would be too long to even start on this podcast about whether it's fair in inverted commas that some teams have got to play Bolton when they had a load of sixteen-year-olds playing, and other teams are playing them when they've got a stronger squad. It's pretty irrelevant at this point. It's not going to change anything. But it was a case of just grinding out a result, uh, which we managed to. Uh, Alex Bass obviously played his part in the latter stages of the match and it wasn't particularly pretty. And it's the sort of result that I've seen some fans still complaining about on social media. But the sign of, 
well, I think the sign of a, a, a good team is that you can play not fantastically and you just grind out the win. You get the three points anyway. And in six months, well, we're in January, in, in three months when we get towards the end of the season, that three points could be absolutely crucial. So, yeah, just take the three points, whether it's deserved or not, and just run away from Bolton, to be honest. No, completely. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because the question is... You know, some fans would say that good teams grind out results and win when they don't deserve to, which is definitely, you know, is true. But at the same time, we looked absolutely awful against Bolton. And when you look at the heat map of, you know, where we had the ball and stuff, Mm. there's a huge gap, isn't there, in the centre of midfield where we didn't seem to get a touch on the ball around the centre circle. And then again, around their 18-yard box. Yeah, I saw you saying that across earlier. Uh, It's it's quite hard to argue with that. It's pretty damning, isn't it, Uh, with that sort of... Like objective measure of, of uh, where we were on the pitch with the ball. Um, didn't have a huge amount of possession. Uh, what was it, like 43 44%, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we we had fewer shots. Um, that's all the stats I can remember looking at that were sort of number stats. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and be the positive side of it here and say, yeah, we got three points, we go away and come back stronger. But I can definitely see why people were under-impressed. But... Again, at this point in the season where it's so ridiculously close in the top half of the table and we're trying to drag ourselves away from that sort of the battle for 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, who have all got the same number of points at the moment. We're trying to separate ourselves from that into the playoff fight. At the moment, it's just just the three points in that occasion that matter to me. Yeah, and and the three points came through... A successful bet of mine, Andy. Um, I've put a whole 50p on Christian Burgess to score any time during the game. And uh, Burge made my night, really, by making me £6. Absolutely balling. Yep, yep, exactly. Man. I, mean, I was out so celebrating, paid for my whole night, all my beers. I think what one of the things we're going to touch on later is Jack Watmore talking about um, the difficulties of not playing. And, and he, I think gambling, he said, was one of the things that he... Uh, he found a sort of a way of filling the void of not playing. So it sounds like uh, you and him could have a conversation about big money successes. <laughs> I'm sure Jack that's, Watmore and me have a similar sort of uh, stake being put on there. Um, six pound win, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But just going back to the game quickly, um, I want to really highlight the importance of not just Burge getting a goal because he's been well overdue, hasn't he? And we'll get on to that in a second. But the the ball from from Seddon is is for me the thing that really creates that chance and and having that delivery when we can't maybe create an opportunity in any other way in a game that you know we didn't have control of that might be the difference between us going up and staying in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Since since Seddon came in, the one thing that has really stood out for me is his delivery uh, into the box, whether it's from set pieces or from open play, um, and it just adds that extra dimension to our attacking threat. Because generally, I mean, James Bolton can deliver a decent ball. um, But generally, you'd say that the majority of our attacking threat comes from the ball being on the ground and players like Curtis, Harness, Williams, whoever, running at the defence. So it's nice to have a player who you would specifically identify as a dangerous crosser of the ball. It gives you that extra sort of the extra um, string to your bow that, you know, opposite teams have to prepare for more than one form of attack that's going to be dangerous. But yeah, that's, it's really stood out since he uh, signed on loan. Yeah, and I think I think it's, you can see how much faith Kenny Jacket puts in, in Seddon because I mean, he took five of the six corners from both sides, four Pompey in the game, Ronan Curtis took the other one. 
and we know that, say, I don't think Ronan Curtis would be an easy person to convince to give up corner duty, for instance. You see when he gets a, a free kick and when he wants to take it, he tends to take the ball and put it down. Do you think then that having this threat as such, we've said it on one side, if we were to add a right back, Andy, on the other side, do you think this would really help us close games out? Someone who could add that extra width? Because for me, James Bolton was one of the standout players in a poor wave in this game. Yeah, I think it's very much easier said than done to say, let's just add a, a right back in that, that, um, that is able to do that. I know that later on again, we're going to discuss um, a player that you think, uh, from, from Crawley, that you think we could we could fit into that position that's quite highly rated. But yeah, um, it wasn't James Bolton's best day at the office. But if you, when you're basically in that right back, left back position, you're you're coming up against someone in direct opposition, whoever's playing on that that wing for the opposite side. Uh, and there are going to be there are going to be games where you're not well matched up against an individual player, and it happened to be you know in this match. I I don't think James Bolton has been that bad really for us in general. Um, I'll defend him here a bit. I think as I said earlier, he puts a decent ball in. For me, he's an improvement on both Anton Walks in that position and, in my opinion, he's an improvement on Ross McCrory in that position. Um, so I, I, don't, I wouldn't be as harsh as to say best of a bad bunch. I think they're all competent right-backs. But I do think he's our best option in that position. Um, but obviously, this 90 minutes wasn't, uh, wasn't his finest. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree. I actually think that looking at his stats, I think he flatters to deceive a little bit as well. Um, as I said, he really did struggle on this side. And maybe it's not fair to take just this game in isolation, but maybe I'll have a look more into it. But, you know, he got beat seven times in key dribbles by Politic on that one side for uh, for Bolton. It, it, he was Bolton Wanderers, I should say. But James Bolton just had one of those games at the office and... In the game before as well, and he got subbed off, didn't he, for Brandon Houndstrip? And again, Kenny Jacket spotting maybe that he's struggling a little bit on that side. And that gives me a bit of hope that maybe we can bring in a right back because I'm actually not as convinced as you that he's going to be a, a capable um, right back for us to get promoted. It, it depends what our end goal is at the end of the season. Oh, obviously, our end goal is to get promoted. I think he is a capable enough right back and will do the job whether or not he's the right back you'd want if you think if you're aiming for automatic promotion for example is you know that's another that's another question but i think you can say that about or previously you've been able to say that about a few positions in our team uh, last year particularly whether or not they're perfectly good league 1 players or whether they're players who are going to be pushing for that uh, automatic promotion spot and i think even if you look at the teams last season on paper and see the difference between us and like Charlton, Barnsley, um, the the differences are fairly obvious in terms of the quality of player. So I would say that yeah, he is one of those good well good quality League One players who will do a job for us. But I don't think he's going to give those individual moments of brilliance. And as you've mentioned there, he's probably going to get beaten uh, in that defensive position enough that. It's going to cost us goals over the course of a season. But I don't think we have any better options currently. Um, but there are still eight days left of the transfer window if if we are going to bring someone in. Hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll go, we'll flip this around the other way then. So talking about being skinned, uh, players that made an impact the other way in a very 
um, well, it was a poor display going forward. But Andy Cannon comes on. Um, he, I think it was 56 minutes. Yeah, 56 minutes. And then he then manages in that short amount of time to have uh, four successful dribbles. Uh, looks like one of the only players who, as we know, can drive the ball up the pitch and create some space for us. Do you think that Cannon in those sort of hard-fought games is, is the sort of player that we really need, especially away from home, to play in that 10 role? rather than maybe someone like John Marquis, who is more of a striker. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you uh, on that one. Every time I've watched Cannon play this season, I've been really impressed. He does, again, to, to coin the same uh, cliche, adds another stream to your bow. Um, in terms of running at defence, having that extra bit of energy, no one's going to say that Marquis gives less than 100%. He doesn't. He gives 110% every game he plays. But in terms of driving on the ball and running at a back four, and trying to sort of break the game up a bit. I think one of the things we'll talk about later is pass uh, accuracy statistics and possession. So recently Pompey haven't had, or in the last couple of games, we've had less than 50% possession and not great, part, not great pass accuracy, which suggests we're trying to, you know, speed up play, be slightly more direct, um, not just knock it around um, and play attractive football around the back four. And if we're trying to do that direct play and get quickly at defences, then Andy Cannon is would be my preference to do that rather than the John Marquis, who is a goal scorer at the end of the day, as shown in, in the Scunthorpe game when he took took the chance he had. Yeah, and it's one of those questions, isn't it? Because John Marquis is actually, you know, he's scoring a lot at the moment, isn't he? He's doing what he was paid to do. He's not always pretty, but he, he is scoring a fair amount of tap-ins and, and other goals, etc., which is what we want to see from him. But I think when you're playing away from home, um, and you need to try and get your foot on the ball in the middle. And as we said, there's a gaping hole there uh, for possession for Portsmouth. Andy Cannon's the man to call upon. Um, yeah, so the only other player who actually managed to dribble the ball in the whole game was Steve Seddon, by the way. No other Pompey player actually managed to knock the ball past anyone efficiently. Um, so it was, a, it was a dreary game, mate. There isn't really that much <laughs> to talk about, is there? Um, apparently the fans were particularly good. I, I didn't go to the game away, but apparently they made a lot of noise. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, and it was it was good to see. Let's go on to the Scumfort game in your favourite competition, Andy. Um, I know you're doing some work um, looking into the leasing trophy, which is your favourite trophy trophy out there. Um, would you like to share your thoughts on the game that you studied so dif- uh, so in depth against Scumfort? Well, I made the mistake of buying it on iFollow and then realised that the iFollow price was the same as a match ticket. So I absolutely nailed that. Um, <laughs> which yeah, so but I didn't have to do the commute down. To be fair, yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a it's a win in a cup, and suddenly we're one win away from from a lovely day out at Wembley again, getting getting merry in the pubs around Wembley, and then remembering half the game as what happened last time. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's good to get to the uh, the semis of the competition again. Um, I think for the most part, well, for the first half, it was relatively comfortable. Um, again, we had very little possession. Uh, particularly in the second half, but when when Scunthorpe equalised, it was 100% deserved, absolutely 100% deserved. It wasn't a case of them nicking a goal when we were on top. They'd been on top for you know 10, 15 minutes uh, before they scored their goal, and yeah, we just we did the classic Pompey sitting back, just sit, go goal up, sit back, and potentially wait for the opposition to to can uh, to score a goal, and then gives us a bit of a kick up the arse and then we go again it seems it's it's a recurring theme home and away um 
which is very frustrating. But Jacket's come out this week and said that he hasn't told them to sit back. Um, so I, I don't really know why it's happening. But um, I think the, the 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 difficult bit of this game was um, I think it was Bolton went off, and then Burgess came on at right back, and uh, Isa for Scunthorpe they they just targeted Burgess at right back, and Isa's a handy. A handy player. I think he's Mo Isa's brother. But I don't want to be quoted on that if I'm wrong. Okay, excellent news. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scunthorpe's game plan essentially turned into get the ball to Mo Isa and he'll run at Burge at right back. Okay. And not slating Burge in any way, shape or form. He's a centre-back and his skill set shouldn't be playing at right back against a really dangerous, um, a dangerous attacking player who can use angles against him. Um, but... It was deserved the equaliser. Um, again, the pass accuracy, we had 68% pass accuracy, which is pretty low. Um, Scunthorpe had the far better pass accuracy than us. Uh, it was good to see McGee and get on the goal sheet. Um, it was a really good finish, to be fair. Both of our goals were like nice finishes. Marquis has looked, I think, simpler than it was. It was very composed for him. He took, uh, took a couple of touches, took his time, and then just picked his spot. Um, after pausing for a, a couple of seconds. So it was nice to see him score a goal that, again, not disrespectfully, but wasn't just a tap-in as the last couple have been, which, you know, you need to be in the right place at the right time for those. But uh, actually, once you're there, this, this doesn't take a huge amount of skill to knock him in. But this one was more of a skilled finish. And yeah, McGeehan's goal was really good to see him get his first one for Pompey. Uh, and again, yeah, he impressed me, McGeehan. And Every game I've seen him playing so far, or both games I've seen him playing so far, he's he's looked really good. And again, I I don't know why he'd want to come to Pompey after after being here with Luton last time out. But um, yeah, he's he's doing a really good job for us, and he's an exciting player. And it's nice to see him in the starting eleven. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the game. It wasn't a classic. Again, it was a decent first. Well, it's all right first forty five minutes, and then a really frustrating second half for the most part. But Scunthorpe played all right. Isa looked dangerous. Um, and we're through to play one of, what is it, Exeter, um, Exeter, Salford, or Newport, or Leicester under-21s, I think, are the other three teams. Yeah, exactly. One, one of Newport or Leicester under-21s. So there's no reason we wouldn't, you know, you, I'd fancy us against any of those teams. Obviously. Yeah, no, obviously. Completely. <laughs> uh, completely. So, yeah, good chance we'll get to Wembley again and... Yeah, and a day out Wembley's nice. There's going to be the whole debate again, which happened last year, where people, you know, boycott the cup and this, that, and the other. But each to their own. Let everyone do what they want. To be honest with you, I, there were five thousand at the Scunthorpe game, which is a lot more than I thought there would be. They they filled the Fratton end. They, I think they only used the Fratton end except for away fans, um, and they filled it pretty much. So it looked like a, a better atmosphere than normal for this competition. So I think. Potentially, people are starting to come around to the to the competition. It's going to be there whether we like it or not. I think attendance will be down if we end up playing uh, Leicester City under twenty ones compared to if we play one of the full teams in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm hoping Newport turn over Leicester, and then you know the the standard final would be Pompey against Salford, wouldn't it? And then all the class of you know the Man United lot turning up. Class of '92, whatever it is. Um, oh, I can't believe Sky will do like a two-day feature. Mate, on them. they'll they'll literally do six hours of build-up for a crappy trophy cup final. But that's it. Gary Neville just sort of doing some sort of speech on a podium or something. Exactly. What well, what I'd like to see is um, us turn them over, and then you know, 
last year when we beat Sunderland, and then there's there's the picture of what was the, the, the guy that owned Sunderland? What's his name? My mind's gone blank. Uh, oh, um, that me saying his name, mate. Uh, Stuart Donald. Yes, uh, the, yes. The, 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 the video of him standing there trying not to look raging while uh, we lifted the, well, I say we, while they lifted the cup. Well, I think it was Anton Walks walked past him. It was, it was beautiful to see. So it I'd was like well to see funny, that. I remember that. I'd love to see that, but with the entire class of 92 along that row, that'd be nice, just walking past Neville, Scholes, Beckham, whoever turns up to lift the tra- trophy. That'd be nice. But no, I, 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 I actually want Exeter to be honest, mate, in the final. I think they'd actually bring the, the biggest the support. Fan base. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think I'd agree with you in terms of people turning up because it was a decent turnout against Sunderland. It was really good atmosphere. One of the more enjoyable days last season, uh, to be fair with. And the yeah, edge. It's another day out at Wembley, mate. You don't get them all the time. So yeah. for me, yeah, for me, if it, if it's an option, then go. Yeah, but yeah, we're still a game away. But I'd back us to get to Wembley again. Oh yeah, talking about Sunderland, I was going to do this at the start of the podcast, but um, I might as well do it now. So it's not quite a Wembley, but obviously we've got Sunderland coming up mm-hmm. and um, our friends at EA Sports have been kind enough to give us two pairs of tickets to the game. Um, the game's already sold out, so if you haven't got any tickets, um, head over to the Pompey News Now Twitter feed. It's pinned at the top. All you've got to do is follow at Pompey News Now, at PO Forecast and at EA Sports and retweet it for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the game. And we've got two pairs. So cheers, EA Sports, for dishing us some tickets. And yeah, we're just going to give them out to um, two people at random, which we just use a random generator on Twitter. So yeah, if you're interested, um, hit it up. Should right. be a good game, though. That'll be a good game. Oh, mate, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've got a seat, actually. I'm sitting not too far from you, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So, what row are you at? I can't remember. I think it's three rows from the back. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so anyway, let's move on. But I'm feeling that the leasing trophy, mate, I I don't think anyone's actually ever managed to lift it twice in a row. No, no, no. I've started yawning as we're talking about it, so I'm obviously really excited. You are massively (laughs) Um, pumped about it. No one's one's, um, defended it before, so that would be a a good claim, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, it's a day out at Wembley. Even if we win, I don't think it would be as good as last year because it was quite a dramatic game. If you forget the fact that it's the checker trade leasing.com trophy or whatever on just on the on the pitch it was just a really really good game of football between two quite good footballing teams so yeah i doubt we get that much excitement again this year but you never know i'd rather get there i'd rather get there than not get there so yeah it's a Win, winning's a habit isn't it so. that's it this key would it's not now now there's only two games left it's not really going to impact in my opinion the the schedule we've got going forward yeah, exactly mate exactly so you may as well win the games yeah and people don't look as burnt out as last season to be fair and um, there's no one lagging as much quite as much as it was into the run now you could see people like jamalo being quite overused last season they were knackered and tired oh, yeah, the yeah. Jack- jackets actually rotated the squad a little bit more this season through tinkering i'd say as well as injury yeah um, if, you so- at, if you look at the front few players that's definitely true with um with the wingers He's actually brought in. If we've got some good options, so if Williams comes in, who well, can play on either wing, I guess. But if Williams comes in or Harness comes in, um, give Curtis a rest. Yeah, you've got you've got some options on the wing, and then uh, in terms of Marquis Harrison, yeah, I think in terms of rotating the squad, it is probably a bit more depth than last year potentially. If you look at the players who were playing last year and now aren't, who are still at the club, and uh, then 
you'd have to say the squad's stronger. And I agree. But at this point in the season, players were starting to look tired last year. And that was one of the things that really cost us in the playoffs was players, key players like Jamal Lowe being absolutely shagged by the time we got to May. Yeah, no. I, I think I think it, we do look a lot more rested. And I think we have got a bit more squad depth as well um, on the wings. And up front, obviously, you've got... You've got Harrison there. You've got Marquis there. Um, I think they both look a lot, a lot more rested. And Marquis has started to hit form as well. So yeah, it's only up from there. Let's get into this question about um, Jack Watmore, the centre backs. Obviously, it was absolutely great to see uh, Jack return to the team and uh, get a first team start. Basically, I think that's the highlight, I suppose, from that from the Scunthorpe game itself. But the question we put out to you guys is. What is your preferred Pompey centre-back partnership? Do you think we need to get in another centre-back or are you happy with you know a combination of the current players that we have in the squad? There's been a few different opinions, Andy. I, I kind of thought that people might be adhering to my sort of perspective on it. You know, I, I sort of feel that a centre-back, a good centre-back who can start is essential. That's not what everyone else has sort of been saying on on Twitter, Andy, what are your thoughts? Do you feel like we need to bring in an established centre back to walk into the lineup, or is is a depth player okay? Or I think my at the current moment in time, my ideal centre back pairing would be Burge and Watmore. Um, I was surprised yeah. that we didn't start with them against Scunthorpe. Uh, Watmore came in and looked like he hadn't been away. It was really nice to see. Um, barely put a foot wrong all game. Um, yeah, so for me at the moment, it would be Burge and Watmore and then uh, Raggett as a sort of third-choice centre-back. Uh, but, but then again, if you're comparing our squad to last year, and you, they always say you should try and make your squad stronger than it was the year before, um, for me, our centre-back options last year when they were all fit were stronger than they are this year. Um, so based on that rationale, it'd be hard to argue with bringing one in. But as you mentioned earlier, I think that right back position is potentially more of a priority. So if we're going to bring one more player in, I think that would that might well be more of the priority, depending on. Uh, you could argue that either way. To be fair, um, some people will definitely disagree with what I've just said on Twitter. I, I think what we've got is all right, but again, like I said earlier, it's whether or not we're okay to settle for all right if we're going for those. Um, well ideally automatics if we can put a run together or, or playoffs what do you think about it mate what's what's your opinions on the centre-back situation my, my opinion is quite clear and I've got quite a firm opinion on this matter I, I genuinely think that you know it's great to see Jack Watmore back you know he's a class defender he you know he's our best defender when fit by far he's technically good he's positionally good he makes the game look easy and um, I think he's a player you know talent wise that could step up and play in the championship However, you know, I want to see Jack succeed and see Jack Watmore play, you know, a managed amount of time and be healthy and, and play in, in the side. But mm-hmm. I don't think from a business point of view, when you look at what's at stake this season and when you look at how it might be a lot more difficult to get out of the league next season with teams coming down compared to this season, I think you've got to go out and buy a new centre-back and an established centre-back in this league who can come... Um, he can walk into the team if he plays well enough, okay? Expect him to start. And then what you do is if Jack is fit, you just you play them and you see who is who effectively performs the best and you play them. And if it is that Jack Watmore is fit the whole time, okay, and he truly is 
you know, the partner and Burge is out playing the other centre back, right? Yeah. Then that's great because that just shows that Jack Watmore's fit and he can play again all the time and you can rely on him and that's fantastic. But actually, if you take the risk of not going out and getting a centre back and you know, Jack's knee doesn't hold up and he's out for, you know, a lot of crucial games and we miss the playoffs or we miss automatics by a point or two, I'll be absolutely fuming about it. Mm. And I don't think that Raggett is good enough if if Watmore is out to play a substantial amount of time at centre-back and help us close out games. Yeah, I mean, we've got the the, the, the fitness thing and the congestion thing is a fair point. We're, what, we've got what, it's 44 games in the league this year, isn't it? So we've mm. got... 19 games left in the league in three and a bit months. So that's what, 19 games in uh, 13, 14 weeks. So, yeah, in terms of expecting what more to be able to just come in and play those minutes is potentially A, unrealistic and B, unsafe for him coming back from injury. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely accept that rationale. Um, I think you've got a, a stronger opinion on it than me, um, but I think in general on social media you'd find more people voicing your opinion there and having that strong opinion. Um, with Raggett, yeah, he's we've we've had games where he's looked quite solid, and other games where he's looked quite a lot less solid. So, but you just need that you need that consistency, and I don't think it's going to help our right backs and left backs if we're consistently chopping and changing that centre-back pairing. One of the reasons we've looked good last year was when Watmore uh, was out. We had Clark and Burgess as just our set centre-back pairing and it never really needed to rotate other than the times that, you know, Matt Clark had well, got kicked in the head or head-butted or had teeth embedded into his forehead or whatever it was um, yeah. from Nathan Thompson, I think. So, yeah, we want a nice consistent pairing and I don't... Yeah, my concern is that we can't have that at the moment because what more isn't going to be able to just suddenly churn out 19 straight league games and you couldn't expect anyone to. Um, and then, yeah, whether or not Raggett is of the level that will be automatic promotion to the championship standard is is questionable, I guess. What I'm enjoying, by the way, mate, is uh, on, on Instagram at the moment, just as a little warning to anyone who's come into uh, our Instagram chat, is that uh, we, the Pompey News Now Instagram story you can swipe up and join a, a big chat for the like a, a big yeah chat a chat group uh, yeah uh, and uh, Sean Raggett has actually slipped his way into that chat and is sitting there silently so just a little warning to anyone in that chat who's thinking of uh, being very critical to the lad <laughs> he is saying exactly what you're saying yeah he is I know people some people are shouting about like you're right Sean quite politely to be fair. Um, I think the chat group currently is called PO Forecast Barnsley um, and we try and develop it basically to discuss the next game coming up and yeah. stuff we've put on the podcast and out there on the site and stuff. So, yeah, give that a click and join in. There's quite a few people, actually. Yeah, it'd be good to grow it. If we, if we can keep the same group, like, as you say, yeah, just rename it for each game. Yeah. Just have a massive Pompey group chat, which is always uh, a good way of sharing opinions and, and well, insulting each other, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check that out on Insta. But yeah, Sean Raggett is in there. It was, I think it was you who spotted it, Andy, and, and screenshotted it and sent yeah, it to us. Yeah, so, someone said something about him and then below it said, seen by Sean Raggett. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so at some, at some point, someone's going to slag him off or say something nasty and it's just going to say Sean Raggett left the group chat under it. And it'll be like being back in in school when like people just leave group chats because of 
get an Aggie. So I don't think so, mate. I'm. I think Sean Raggett doesn't give a flying fuck, mate. I, you know, you see, him, I saw him on the train. He's bopping along. Some, some of the away fans basically are giving him a little bit, a little bit of grief, right? And he just had his hood up. He's got that front tooth. It's knocked out. Doesn't seem bothered to get that replaced. He's obviously not short of money as a footballer. So, yeah, I reckon he's just seeing what people are saying, really. Fair enough. Haters are um, going to hate the Sean Raggett. We're talking about um, defenders, by the way. Uh, Manny Monte, I can't pronounce his name, the Tranmere player. That is uh, right, mate. literally right. this evening just scored again for Tranmere against Watford. He's an absolute beast, mate. I've been telling oh, yeah. people to sign him up before he scored three or four goals, whatever it's been in the yeah, last couple of weeks. He scored about half an hour ago. <laughs> Oh, talk about imagine Seddon just plonking the ball in his head. Don't don't dangle the dream. That's what it's about, mate. Kenny Jacket, get out there. Tranmere fans reckon he'll go for for five hundred grand. Let's just get out there, right? Pay the money. If you're listening, Michael Artisner, get your wallet out. Head over to Tranmere. Do you know what? Come up with us, lot. Come up with the Pompey News Now fam. All of us are going Tranmere away together. Get on the bus. Head what up on a coach. That'll be for him. Yeah, head up and on a coach. With us lot. That's it, you know, come out for a few beers. We'll, we'll head out in Liverpool. Same goes to anyone listening. Come out, have a few drinks. Um, we'll get Eisner along. And then we can all, we can all have gonna, a bubble. I'm going to put the chat on, mate. Then Sunday is the women's Merseyside derby. So make a weekend of it. Watch That's all the it. football. That's, That's literally it. my weekend. I'm buzzing for it. That's it. Well, we're, stay, we're staying in, in Liverpool as well. So um, it's probably going to be a, a good night out, shall we say, to be polite. Yeah, should we um, yeah, let's go into the questions that the listeners have said, Andy, because I've realised I'm a little bit off topic here. Um, that happens every single pod, mate, so I would not worry about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's my style, mate. Um, Harrison messaged in, cheers again, mate. He said, would be content with Watmore and Burgess with Raggett as backup. However, I feel there's definitely a need for another centre-back, one who is fairly fast and can play the ball out well. Yeah, fair comment. Absolutely agree, yeah. Living the dream, mate. A fast centre-back who can pass the ball out well. Who wants to play in League One? <laughs> Who doesn't, mate? Um, Bertie messes in. He's, I've cheers for that. He goes, what more on Burge? Although it may be a few weeks before that happens, I still think Raggett has something to offer, although his form has dipped since Christmas. Do you think Raggett's form has dipped since Christmas? Uh, I think it started off and people weren't overly impressed. And then, yeah, I'd, I'd say he did put a run of games together where you started to have a bit more belief. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that tweet that the last two or three games again it's it's difficult to say whether or not it is just that or if it's the case that those mistakes just happen to being being happen to be punished at the moment there was a stage last season with uh christian burgess where he made a few mistakes but whether or not he made more than anyone else i don't really know but it just so happened that every time he made a mistake we conceded a goal so it was you know highlighted and people saw it thousands of times on on video highlights who who aren't at the games so i don't know to what extent it is him having a dip in form or to what extent it's suddenly those mistakes that happen to be being punished at the moment that's what i think it is mate. i think he's always got a, a mistake in when the ball gets lifted over him or round him or behind him something that it involves always, running yeah. yeah it just makes me very nervous <laughs> he sort of tries to like i don't know like bambi himself around or whatever you want to say um so when when he's when the ball was at him directly and it's an easy move, mm-hmm. you just and it's a short pass. Um, I think he's solid enough. It's just when it's something a little bit more creative. It's the intricate stuff that he struggles with. Yeah, he's solid yeah. enough as a 
just as a standard, you know, centre back, your stereotype centre back, but it's the intricate things that can show him up a little bit, I think. What? How did he get away, by the way, with that challenge? Oh, with the yellow. It wasn't a red card, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, <laughs> no one was getting back, were they, on that one? No, I'd be, I think... I'd be absolutely well annoyed, mate, if I was a Scunthorpe fan. Yeah, if we had VAR, that would be, uh, I think that would have been a red. Thank God we don't have VAR, mate. For all the reasons, so many reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, moving on quickly. Steve Dean's message in. He goes, they need to be very cautious with him. Throwing him straight into the league campaign would be crazy, I think. He's in back. Yeah, it's like we were just saying about having 19 games left. He's not, he's just not going to play in all of them, is he? I mean, that would be, it would be negligent, I think, to expect him to start every yeah. single one of those games. And it would just encourage him to get injured again. Um, so, yeah, it kind of links into what we were saying about whether or not that third choice centre back is is good enough or is is able to step in and start when Jack Watmore needs a rest. Yeah, no, I think we need to go out and get another centre back for exactly that reason. Adam Chandler messes in. He goes, personally, I'd rest him Saturday and play him Tuesday at Lincoln. One match a week will do for him now. Play up Pompey. Yeah, it depends what our priorities are. If we want to get an FA Cup run going, is it something? I think it's one hundred eighty k if we win on Saturday. If you're looking at it financially. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of winning the cup, uh, it depends where the priority is, priorities are. Mine is my priority is the league, so I wouldn't have a problem with that. If we started um, Burgess and Raggett on Saturday, I'd be okay with that. Um, I'd rather have him available for for more league games. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't I don't know if they'll want to play him anyway after playing him mm. against Scunthorpe. So I don't think they're going to play him, mate. It, it had a, it very much had the feeling of easing him back into the first team sort of feel. But yeah, then he got the full 90 minutes. So if that was the case, maybe they would have subbed him off after 70, 75 minutes. But yeah, it, it had the the feel of his a game against the League Two side that it's not the end of the world. If we don't win, just go and get some minutes under your belt and get your game sense back. And that worked out pretty well, to be fair. Yeah, I know. No, I reckon let's let's nurse him back. But I would expect him to play fifty percent of games. I reckon uh, until until for at least a good couple of weeks and two three weeks until he gets himself um, into it, and then maybe they could start cranking it up a little bit. But I still wouldn't expect Jack to play more than two thirds of all games. But prove me wrong. Um, Matt says, "Cheers for messaging again." Burgess and Watmore is easily good enough to get promoted. Yeah, like I said, that's my first choice starting centre back yep. pairing. If we can keep them both fit, yep. Yeah, uh, would like to see Burgess and him together. Still not keen on Raggett, says um, Nas Pepe. N a s p e p e. Sorry if I said that wrong, mate. I wouldn't know how to pronounce that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've said what there is to be said, though, don't we? I've, I've I've said my piece on it. Yeah, let's see if there's anything else that I think is a bit of a different. Da, 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 da. Aaron thinks we should get another centre back and makes more sense. Da, da, da. The club don't know what to do about it, says Dazza. Where should we where should we go? Do we need another left side centre back? Downing's Downing clearly nowhere near. We haven't even mentioned Downing, have we? That's what's happened there. He's kind of just gone off the edge of the, the metaphorical cliff, hasn't he? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. he's not even being mentioned in the same breath as the, the first team anymore. Um I he's not good. I, I can't see him coming back into any games unless we suffer injuries outside the transfer window. So Well no. Yeah. Well, Paul says that he thinks we, we'll, we'll probably wait it out and then buy someone in the summer, seeing where we come. Do we want to wait it out? Like, how long do you wait? Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't like waiting out till the summer because then you lose players in the summer. So yeah, we might strengthen that one position, but realistically, if we don't go up, we'll lose people in other positions. So you're always going to be just trying to fill holes in the team if you do that. Yeah, um, I, I'm not a big fan of waiting around and then strengthening before the start of next season. Personally. No. No, I'm not either. I think we need to get his end to that. Um, just to move on from that then. I was talking about getting a new right back. I've heard, unfortunately, Crawley being in some financial turmoil, sacking their CFA for financial reasons. Um, and I know that there's been issues with staff at, at the ground, etc. Um, I think there's been issues with pay as well. But on the positive side for Pompey, I think we should go out and get Sese, who's their right back. I said this on when we looked at the Defenders um, podcast with Freddie Webb. Go and get him. He's young. He's quick. He's good on the ball. He puts a good ball in the box. He's always looked like a player who shouldn't be playing for that team, if that makes sense, at the back. He looks like, you know, leagues above um, the rest of that Crawley side. Let's pick him up. It's not going to cost much money, Pompey. And if you're willing to go out and spend 100k on a guy from uh, from Bromley, I don't see why we can't dip into League 2 mm. and pick up a right-back. Um, who, who really, to be honest, in my opinion, would be a much better option to play on that on that right-hand side than James Bolton. So, yep, Sese, go on, Mark Catlin. We know you listen. Go out and get him. Um, all right, mate. Well, we've got Barnsley coming up on, on uh, the preview. Are you excited? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not able to go to the game because I'm on a stag do this weekend, which I'm actually a little bit disappointed about. Um, it would have been nice to come down. So I'm less excited because I'm not able to be there. Um, just throwing it in there, I've just watched um, Monte's goal and he absolutely twats it. It's such a good goal. Um, bullet of a left foot. Uh, but yeah, I am looking forward to the game. Uh, it'll, it would have been nice for me to see Connor Chaplin back at Fratton again. Uh, reassuringly, I think on that side of things, when he came down with Coventry um, at the end of last season, uh, Burgess pretty much had him in his pocket. So hopefully the same will happen again. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a winnable game. They're obviously near the bottom of the championship, um, but have hit a bit more form recently. They're coming in off uh, two defeats in a row, including they got pretty much destroyed at home to Preston, uh, 3-0. And the, the thing that jumps out at me is how many goals they concede. So in the entire championship, they've conceded the second most number of goals. So they've conceded uh, 54 goals in 29 games which is the only team they're better than is Luton, who are bottom of the table. So they are leaking a lot of goals. And you'd think that with our quality going forward, we're going to create some chances. It's just going to come down, as always, to those split seconds and whether or not we take the chances we create on the day. No, completely. Um, obviously, the the highlight of the, the game in some ways is going to be Connor Chaplin coming back to Fratton Park. A lot of people at the time wanted to keep him. You know, he had that potential. Kenny Jackett's now backtracked a little bit and said he always wanted to keep him. As I said, it's a little bit like saying you wanted to, you're going out with three girls and uh, you ended up uh, dumping one of them. You probably wanted to keep her in the first place, but actually, he was your third choice. So, hey, what is this analogy? What what are you talking about? What is that metaphor? Do you not get that? No, not in the slightest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I've not been in that position with having three girlfriends at once. So I'm, we're not. We're not. Well, all the like, we're not know. just girlfriends, mate. But he's, he's he's treating it like, oh no, I did want to keep Connor around. You know, I think he's a really good player and stuff like that. It's like he's dating three girls and he's decided it's too much to handle. Um, he can't. He can't. He can't. Your, he can't you're give not any time. Your girlfriends. So well, maybe you are. I don't know. Most people don't pay their girlfriends to hang around. 
It's not about paying him, mate. It's just the fact that he oh, said he like he said he likes him, right? Yeah. Okay. And he wanted to keep him all this time. He didn't want to keep him. He barely played him. It yeah, was like it was, a, it was a luxury. There's got to be a reason for that, mate, because it was the same under Paul Cook, who liked him but didn't play him. Well, and they but I'm, they both am, said they could play out front. They both every, genuinely said they got, can't play out front. On their everyone's own. got twenty twenty hindsight, and it's very easy to say now that he's you know he's one player of the month in the championship. That was but my next point, when, mate. When when he left us, I yeah, big congratulations to the lad. Yeah, really, I'm genuinely really pleased to see it. But when he left us at the time, I didn't think it was a bad decision. The decision that um, Jacket made, I really didn't. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I thought it was a terrible choice. Some people did. Um, I'm, but I think at that point in time, whether he has become a better player since leaving or whether it's because he's getting better service, yeah, he's banging them in. But at the time, he wasn't doing it for us. And he did get opportunities under Cook and under Jacket. And other than a couple of sort of individual moments of quality, didn't do it on a consistent basis. And I'm really happy that he has gone in, whether it's being around a, a higher standard of player or being around better facilities or whatever it is. I'm really glad that he is now banging them in over the last, you know, a couple of months. But at the time, I thought it was the right decision to let him go, to be honest. And using your girlfriend analogy, okay, fine. Maybe if we don't focus on the financial side of it, if we say, okay, well, you've got three girlfriends, but you're only allowed to see your girlfriends on the weekend. So that's a Friday night and a Saturday night. Yeah. There's one you're not going to see every weekend. So, I mean, I don't know why I've gone back to that analogy of yours that I don't really get but i guess that's the closest i can get to understanding it if you have to let one go you know one of those girlfriends is gonna dump you if you're not seeing them every weekend although to be fair chaplin didn't you know dump pompey um yeah i i don't know what my point was but like i think i don't i don't think it was but this is why i don't do analogies because I'm, I'm not smart enough to cope with them i get distracted you've got a phd mate <laughs> you're definitely I'm, smart enough doesn't mean i'm smart that just means i'm I don't know, stubborn. Clever. But yeah, look, um, I didn't mind him going at the time. Buzzing to see him doing well. Um, but hopefully, yeah, Burgess will well let him out of his back pocket for another 90 minutes. That's the hope. Because Burgess yeah. knows how he plays. And if if Watmore does start, very few people know him better than Jack Watmore from their time at Bombay. So they know exactly how he plays. So you'd hope that would play to their advantages. No, you would, you would completely at all. I mean, Connor Chaplin's obviously looked pretty good. If you look at the finishes he's scored as well, they are so complacent in the way that... Sorry, not complacent, composed. Um, we know he's he's got a shot that he can get away and his footwork's good, but you could even argue maybe in the championship it's that sort of technical game that he's been able to to lit up. But 10 goals in all competitions, nine goals in, in the championship, four assists. I think when you look at how he plays... He, he's been able to hold the ball up a little bit, but under the new manager as well, after Stendhal's gone, it's interesting because they're sort of playing a a formation that's almost a bit more narrow. So they've got a 4-3-1-2 um, formation. So obviously the the uh, midfielders, people like Alex Mowat, do push up from that three mm. as well and support the attacks. So it's not like a, a three-holding midfield role. You'd almost, you'd almost argue, really, that it's a 4-3-3, really, isn't it? But with one of those three... Um, sitting a bit behind the striker, so the two strikers, sorry. So um, looking looking at Barnsley as a team, they're obviously a team that try and go out and score goals against you. 
they're not a team that are going to sit back against Pompey and allow us to have time, allow us to have space on the ball. They're a team that are really going to come at us at Fratton Park, put two up front, put a player behind him. So Woodrow will, will probably start in the number 10 position um, alongside behind Connor Chaplin. Um, and Connor Chaplin's been starting up front at the moment with Brown, who's a bit of a, a jack-of-all-trades sort of player. Um, he's scrappy, he gets quite a lot of assists. And then you've got Alex Mowat, who sort of sent, plays behind uh, Woodrow, basically supporting him um, it, across that three. Um, and th- those midfielders will push up as well. Um, Alex Mowat likes to get the ball around, spread the ball, play it through. Um, and the two strikers then play rather than playing a wide formation, they play fairly narrow and play and play through the middle. But that does allow Connor Chaplin a little bit of time and space to go roam, pick the ball up. Mm. Uh, and, and also you'll see that Woodrow and Brown will actually interchange from striker and number 10 as well. It's not a static formation, you know, with that 10 and striker. They will they will float around those positions, the three of them, and particularly Brown and, um, and Cordry Woodrow as well. So it's not going to be an easy task for the Pompey defence to simply set up shop and sit deep and if we do that we're actually we're, we're probably going to lose the game to be honest because Barnsley cycle and move very well um they're just lacking a little bit of I think quality across the whole squad especially at the back uh, to be able to succeed in this league after having some quite important players leaving the summer yeah I don't I mean how could I add on to that that's a really good analysis I think mate um I think they're one of those teams that if you look at them on a week by week basis, they're more dangerous going forward, or that they're they're better going forward than they are at the back. Um, yeah, I don't have a huge amount to add on. You've literally just ticked off every, all the points I had to make um, about the the formation and the danger men. So it's got sweet naffle to add, mate. They're they're going to come out and prove a point after losing last weekend. There were some quite angry comments from their manager and from their players after getting turned over by Preston. Because it was, what, it was what, 3-0, but sounds like it could have been a lot more than that. Um, so they're not going to come out and, you know, play a, a slightly weakened team to try and beat a, a, a team in the, the league below. They're going to come out with their first team to prove a point because what happened to them in their last league game wasn't good enough. So it's not going to be an easy 90 minutes for Pompey at all. No. And the new manager who came in, who looks like Voldemort, um, as pointed out by um, Jim, friend of the show, basically, who's given me an ana- given me um, three players to watch in his take from a Barnsley perspective. You look at what Cordry Woodrow said about the game against Preston, the loss, and then looking forward to Pompey. Um, he put the gaffer said, we just need to forget about it because since he's taken over, we've been fantastic. There's been a massive change in our performances and points on the board. We probably would have been written off before the manager came in. And now we're right back in it and got a massive opportunity to stay up in this season. We just need to forget about that game. We've had some really good performances. It was a bad day. We'll move on to Saturday and get a good result. So, I mean, Woodrow has actually been injured as well. So he's coming back into the team. A um, little bit of a point to prove with Connor Chaplin equaling his goal record on nine now. They're now both joint top scorers in League One. They're going to be up for this game, aren't they? I think so. As I say, yeah, they're going to come out and have a point to prove. Um, potentially, if Woodrow isn't fully fit, he could could be on the bench and then come on if they need him later in the game, which hopefully they, they will need to bring him on. But um, yeah, they're coming out with a, with a point to prove, I think. 
Mm. I mean, statistically, going back, looking at history, which is never really that relevant to the present day, but interesting. But we're going to do uh, it anyway. Yeah, Pompey are actually undefeated <laughs> in the last six home games against Barnsley and have kept clean sheets in five out of six games. So, hey, if you believe in looking back is actually a good way, then the omens are good. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to see how many of the players are still at those the two teams from from the last last few games against each other. Maybe last season would be similar-ish, but mm. yeah. Let's look, let's look at it from a Pompey perspective then, because Kenny Jackett has obviously come out and said that you know, he wants us to progress in the cup. You know, Kenny Jackett generally plays a strong side, doesn't he, in the FA Cup. He's not going to... I don't think he's going to hold anyone back or rest anybody. So he did highlight the fact the league's the most important thing. I think that's mm-hmm. also paying a bit of tribute to the fans. He does think that, but he has to put that out there so people don't go off, go off on one about that. I, I generally think, though, how we're going to set up against Barnsley. I, I really think he should play Cannon at 10 in this game. I think we, we need his, his pressing, his ability to get the ball forward, ability to get the pass forward as well, and also his, his sort of... Um, his tenacious approach, really, to winning the ball back in the midfield, because Barnsley will or do have some very good ball-playing um, central midfielders in that team. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of playing Cannon. I think it's really important that he does start in this game. Um, I don't. I'm assuming McGeehan won't be playing if he's playing against his parent club. Um, I don't actually know if they've put in. Well, I don't know what they've put in the contract about him being able to play, but I'm assuming he won't be able to start in central midfield. Um, I just looked at their third round game and he didn't um well he was he was injured at the time I think so he wasn't in their match day squad so he's not cup tied but I'm assuming he won't be able to play against his parent club um it'd, it'd be weird if he could to be fair um but yeah I agree with putting uh Cannon in that that number 10 role I think his style of play for this game is what we're going to need uh, we don't want to get penned in uh, against a team who are so good going forward for sure um but the rest yeah it's interesting that there are so many options at the moment it's not a first 11 that necessarily picks itself as much as it did at the start of the season which I think it's a good sign for the squad I guess yeah no definitely I think that we should um then then I think obviously got Curtis on the left does Harness start on the right field do you think Kenny Jackett comes out and thinks maybe I need someone with a bit more energy and starts Brian Williams that's a good question um generally over the the course of the season I'd I'd want Harness starting because you know, well, firstly, he cost a decent whack of money. You don't want to see that sitting on the bench. Um, and he has got those moments of quality in him, whereas, you know, Williams, the end product, has generally been slightly lacking, although his work rate is absolutely ridiculous and um, his ability to, you know, keep doing these short sprints until the 90th minute, his his fitness is incredible. Um, I think on for, for a game against Barnsley, I think they're susceptible at the back enough that we want players who are going to run dangerously at their defence. For that reason, I wouldn't mind seeing Williams start. Um, but then, you know, Harness could slip into that number 10 role, apparently. So, basically, that <laughs> the three that play behind the striker can just interchange a lot of them by the sounds of it, by, by Jacket's logic, whether you agree with that or not as an individual, uh, individual thing. But I think I'd start Williams on the right, Curtis on the left. Not against the idea. I, I generally would rather start Marcus Harness, but at the same time, 
No, I'm going to say I want to. I would have start Marcus Harness still on the right hand side. I think the fact is when when we look at Ryan Williams playing in this sort of game, I'd be worried that it would end up with us sitting even further back. And if we can get Andy Cannon possibly playing in the number ten role, and then Harness running off the shoulder, I think that's the way to score goals against a team like Barnsley with that sort of overlap, with that player who's going to run in behind and, and take a shot. I think we need all the the attacking threat going forward. If we can in that position. Um, so I, I, I'm actually going to say that I'd rather Marcus Harness plays on the right-hand side. I think he'll play um, Ellis Harrison up front, uh, leading the line. What, and then, you, and then you, Marcus, you on, the Marcus bench, on the bench, yeah. And bring him on as an impact player. If, if, if we're a goal, if we need a goal, um, and then we sort of go, go to, to that. up front? Yeah, yeah, basically. Because even when he brings him on for someone like for Cannon or whoever, he's basically putting him on in a 10-slash-9 role, isn't he? Because he just... He just needs to join the attack and maybe even a little bit later if needed be. But I want to see John Marcus come up front and play play two of them up front, basically. It doesn't matter if he drops off and gets the ball, but when the ball comes into the box, um, who's, who am I thinking of? Which game am I thinking of? Oh, against like um, AFC Wimbledon or whatever. I want him to be there to to be there to, to knock the ball in the back of the net, basically, mm. which is something that Andy Cannon's more going to be a midfield sort of box-to-box player, isn't he? But not necessarily take that chance to be in the right place at the right time. And it doesn't matter how you score them, but at the moment, John Marco seems to be in the right place at the right time, doesn't he, to get important goals? Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I assume Ben Close comes in from begin. Um, I guess so. Yeah, I think what Close and Naylor. Yeah, back, back to the old school, mate. The Close and Naylor partnership. The close and Naylor dream boy partnership. That's it. Yeah. The time, the time before January actually happens, mate. Um, <laughs> I think Ben Close will want to. I actually don't think it's a game, sorry, that Ben Close would be badly suited for. Barnsley like to knock the ball around, play quite nice, expansive football. I don't think it's going to be a bad decision to play someone like close in that in that game. If he can get his foot on the ball, I think he actually would be fairly suited to a passing style game, which we could hopefully hopefully get our foot on the ball and get the ball moving forward. I think if we end up playing too many holding-ish players, I think you'd end up... Imagine, I know he's left now, and I didn't even cover it actually on the podcast, but obviously Anton Walks um, has, has gone over to Atlanta. But... I think if you say you play two holding players, that it's just going to invite invite serious pressure on. So maybe Closey might actually have a good game in in this one. And I, I assume we play. Uh, I assume Watmore doesn't get a game in this cup game, and we go ragged at the back, and God only help us against those attacking three. That's and a bit, then, hard, bit harsh on ragged if we're just calling on divine intervention before kick off. But yeah, well, I just think, mate, there's a lot of pace and a lot of skill, a lot of trickery, which is all the th- all the things that I highlighted, wasn't it? Um, early on when doing the analysis on defenders, I th- I sort of feel that he's going to struggle against this particular attack force. Yeah, I, it's a fair comment, I guess. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. And then uh, Bassi starting goal. Yeah, I'd start Bassi goal. I think that looks like the direction we're going in. Um, again, it's a it's a thing that everyone's going to have opinions on in terms of whether it should be Bass or McGillivray as as first choice. Uh, McGillivray did make a couple of mistakes, but again, in terms of goals conceded, you've got to look in front of him as well. And some of the centre back pairings we've put out haven't been optimal. So he's not had. I think no one's claiming he's had the same level of centre back cover as he had last year. Um, so it's probably contributed to, to what's happened but Bass has looked good when he's played I know he had a, a couple of dodgy moments I he conceded one uh, with a mistake when he first came into the team can't remember who it was against it was at Fratton 
it was a shot from distance, didn't get behind it, but we won the game anyway. And uh, I think it was the start of the Bolton game, a couple of nervy moments, but he grew into that game and made some really good stops towards the end of the match. So I don't think that, I think you have to have a rationale to drop someone. And I don't think Bass has done anything to give Jacket a rationale to drop him personally. So for, no. for that reason, I think he'll start. No, I think he'll start as well. Um, just to finish the podcast, basically, on the couple of points that a uh, friend of the show, Jim Barnsley fan, gave me on the uh, three players to look out for that we already highlighted. Um, I like the way Woodrow, he said he's absolute mustard, uh, easily looks championship level, will do well to keep hold of him if they go down. Um, he's the second fastest Barnsley player ever to go to 50 goals. Without him, the Barnsley side looks very ordinary, hasn't played as much under the new manager. He was injured. Um he ended up playing in the 10 role, which is different for him, but, you know, he would look good. Um, obviously, we talked talked about Connor Chaplin, so I won't go into that again, but he seems like the kind of guy he wants to go for a pint for. And Alex Moa, he tried to kill someone in his first game. Apparently, he's known as the Laker, but I don't know what that means. It must be some sort of Yorkshire slang. slang. Um, he's been, he's a, their key player, um, holds the ball up, gets everything moving. He said he can pick out a bloke in the middle of a mosh pit in Glastonbury. Um, yeah, and we'll leave it at that, mate, to be honest. can pick out a bloke. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Let's leave um, it, mate. Um, we were going to talk quickly about Jack Watmore um, when he was talking about his gambling problems and his alcohol problems. All right, let's do it quickly. Like, um, super quick. In yeah. terms of like just being honest with, like, yeah, coming out as, as someone who's a role model for a lot of young Pompey fans, I think coming out and being honest is is extremely important at a time where, you know, male health, uh, mental health protect particularly for for young males is pretty poor in this country so yeah i think good on him for for coming out and being honest about it he didn't have to do that at all not at all and i think that you know it's easy for people especially when you're having a, a hard time to sort of you know rely on something or or you know find something to sort of try and make that seem easier um and all of us have been there everyone has a situation which is you know, struggles in life. And I think it's nice to see a footballer that other people can maybe relate to and maybe come out and talk about their problems as well. Yeah, I think so. It's very easy for fans to um, to sit on the, you know, sit on on the bench or sit on the side and say, oh, well, you're injured, but you're still getting paid a, a good wage to to now not play. But that's there's more to it than that, I think, in, ter- in terms of the psychology of being injured. Um, well, there's, there's a whole... I think I did a module on it at some point in the past psychology of injury. There's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes um, and it's not uncommon to find some sort of vice, whether it's drinking or gambling or any sort of addiction um, in that sort of situation. But I think we just don't hear about it the vast majority of the time because clubs will cover it up or it'll just never come out. So yeah, just fair play to him for, for fronting up about it really, that it is a completely normal reaction to any sort of difficult life situation. And so, um, fall back on that. Andy, I forgot to ask you, mate, very quickly, score prediction. For Barnsley? Mm-hmm. Um, I will go 2-1 Pompey. And I'm going 2-1 Pompey as well. Um, I'm going to go Ronan Curtis. And who's the other player I was going to think of? Do you know what? Let's go, let's go for it. Ellis Harrison with a header from a setting cross. That's a very specific bet. You have to do a request a bet for that, I think. I'm on it. Awesome. All right, dude. Great having you on the podcast again. And until next time, play it bumpy. 
You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.